All right, well, what's up, Traders Point family? Those of you in the room, uh, we've got some of our team here and everybody online. Uh, we are so thrilled to have you wherever you may be joining us from. We know we have people joining us from all over the country and uh, even around the world. And uh, we just can't celebrate it enough. If you haven't already heard, we are uh, regathering in two short weeks on Sunday, September the 20th. We're really fired up about that. And so we can put our hands together. And uh, I just uh, want you to know that our team is uh, working uh, really, really hard uh, to create a safe yet a joyful experience at all four of our campuses. You can go to this link right here to get all of the information on our regathering. And uh, I just want to encourage you to be thinking about somebody that you can invite. Maybe it's somebody that joined us online in the last six months, but they've never been to a physical campus. Uh, I want to encourage you to jump on a serve team if you've never served before, because this is going to be an all-hands-on-deck kind of a thing. And I also want to say that uh, there may be a number of you that are just not ready to come back or are able to come back for any number of reasons. Uh, maybe uh, you're uh, in a high-risk category. Maybe you're just not yet comfortable yet uh, coming back. Maybe you don't even live in Indy, so it would be quite a commute uh, for you to come to a physical campus. I just want you to know we totally understand all of that, and uh, we support you. Uh, Traders Point Online TPO is not going anywhere, and uh, we want to continue to encourage you to engage with us online right where you are. Here's, here's what I would say. Uh, be the church where you are, uh, which means uh, don't just watch alone. Uh, don't just consume uh, content for yourself, but uh, be involved in the lives of other people. And so get into a group, uh, go to a watch party, host a watch party. We would love to help you uh, take your next steps uh, in that spiritual journey, wherever you may be. Well, um, it was the 1930s. And a man named uh, Harry Bailey uh, was about to lose his family, but he didn't know it. Uh, he and his wife had been married for several years. Uh, they had uh, a few kids, a growing family, uh, but they were beginning to, to grow further and further apart in their marriage relationship. Uh, a young, attractive woman sort of caught his eye at work, and he liked the way that she made him feel, and it wasn't long until that uh, turned into uh, an affair. And so Harry would oftentimes come home from work, he would eat dinner with his family, and then he would announce that he forgot something back at the office, or he had to go run an errand, but he really wasn't fooling anybody. His wife began to catch on to what was happening, and she, she tried to intervene, but he denied, and nothing seemed to work. And, and one day, when Harry came home for the day, he found an empty house, his Wife had packed her and the kids' things up, and in its place, she had left a letter on the kitchen counter explaining to him that she was leaving and that she wanted a divorce. And it was as if in that instance, like the veil that had previously been blinding him got, got pulled back to the reality of what was happening, and Harry dropped to his knees in that empty house, and he began to weep, realizing what he had just traded, and it wasn't a good trade. For the next um, year or so, uh, he drifted. He struggled with depression. He was angry. He was hopeless. But, but Harry had a, a couple of friends uh, who happened to be followers of, of Jesus. And they, they wouldn't give up on him. And they were praying for him. And they were reaching out to him. And they were loving him like right where he was. And they, they kept inviting him to the church that they went to. The name of the church was uh, Racine Christian Church. Kind of a small little church outside of town. And Harry would uh, politely decline their invitation because uh, a couple reasons. He, he had never been much of a religious man. 
And number two, he was a divorcee due to an affair he had had. And he was like, all it's going to take is for these people to find out what I've done. And then they're going to be slinging all kinds of shame and judgment my way. Thanks, but no thanks. But his friends were persistent. And there was something different about them. And so after about a year of those invites, Harry reluctantly gave in, mostly just to get them off his back. And Harry went to church and what he experienced wasn't what he thought he was going to experience. And he experienced love and grace from this imperfect group of people. And he heard the gospel message. It was different than the religious message he thought he was going to hear. That there is a God who loves you right where you are. And within the next year, Harry ended up giving his life to Jesus. And a radical transformation happened. Now, he wasn't perfect, but he was different. And uh, several months later, he ended up meeting a, a young lady within that church, and they began to date, except this time their relationship was, was based upon something different. And they eventually got married, and then Harry began to feel this sense of conviction to reach back out to his former wife, to reconnect with his, his kids. And because he did that, it, it made an impact upon them. that They began to attend church. It actually changed the trajectory of their lives, because Harry had a, a son, uh, who then uh, ended up giving his life to Jesus. Then he grew up, he had a daughter who, who gave her life to Jesus. Then she had a, a son who, who gave his life to Jesus. And the reason why I know that to be true is because that's me. Harry Bailey was my great-grandfather. And I have to tell you that I, um, uh, we, we briefly overlapped a little bit. I was just a really small boy when he died. I vaguely remember going to his funeral, but I don't remember him much. I know that I was around him, but I can't wait one day to get to heaven and to sit down with my great-grandfather. And I'm so thankful that he had a group of friends that didn't give up on him. See, here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing about Harry Bailey is that there was a gap in the life that Harry Bailey was living and the life that God wanted him to live. That there was a gap between the, the peace and the hope and the joy and the fulfillment that Harry Bailey was experiencing and then the peace and the joy and the hope and the fulfillment that God wanted him to have. And through his friends, they closed the gap and then Jesus radically changed his life. Now, here's what I know about me. Here's what I know about you, even if we've never met. There's a gap there's a gap between the life that maybe you're living. There's a gap between the life that I'm living and the life that God really wants you to live, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey. There's a gap between maybe the influence that you could have and the influence God wants you to have. There's perhaps a gap right now in your friendships or maybe even your marriage. And maybe the friendships or the marriage that God wants for you to have. Maybe there's a gap in, your, in the financial peace that you could have if you would trust God in that area of your life and the financial stress or reality that you're currently experiencing. Here's the really good news. Whatever the gap is for you, Jesus closes the gap. See, I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 12. It says, you, you lived in this world without God and without hope, but, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away, that's the gap from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Man, that's really good news. Somebody ought to put their hands together for that. I mean, that's just, that's all I got to do is just read the verse because that's it. That, like if I could just summarize the entire Bible, if I, if I dare into one passage, there's maybe several that I could use. That'd be one of them. That we are brought near to God. There is a gap and we can hardly comprehend just how radical the concept of Jesus' forgiveness 
is. Some of us don't know it. Some of us have gotten so used to it that we've forgotten how potent that really is. You see, religion allows a person to perhaps maybe feel worthy after they do whatever they can to cleanse themselves, which is impossible. The the religion, actually what it says is, is if you can pay the price, if you can feel bad enough about yourself, then maybe you can be accepted. But be careful because, you know, you, you could actually fall out of God's good graces if you do enough bad things. But the gospel says Jesus invites you just as you are. And Jesus connects you. And that Jesus reconciles us back to God. And through Jesus' effort and Jesus' effort alone, he closes the gap. And for those of us who have experienced that, then the automatic, most natural thing that we could do or should do is to close the gap for others. In fact, I would say that's the only appropriate response to God's grace. Now, if you're just now joining us, we are in a series in the Gospel of Luke. We're calling it Settled in Spirit. The reason why is because there's a lot of unsettled spirits in our world right now. Uh, We are having a a, a difficult season. And Luke uh, takes the time to write his gospel for a friend of his uh, named Theophilus to close the gap for him. And he says, listen, I've taken the time to put together an orderly account so that you might come to believe. And so we are looking at this together and we find a really great example of this in chapter 5, verse 27. So if you would just follow along with me as we unpack this passage together. It says, later as Jesus left the town, he he saw a tax collector named Levi. Uh, Levi is his Jewish name. Later his name is going to be changed to Matthew, which is his Aramaic name. And this is the same Matthew who writes the gospel of Matthew. And he's sitting at his tax collector's booth. And this is what Jesus says. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. Now, what I want you to know about this is that uh, Levi is a Jewish man uh, who is working for the Roman IRS. And because of that, he is hated and despised for a couple of different reasons. Uh, the Romans taxed everything. Like, and, and not only that, but they hated what they spent the money on. So uh, just naturally, they despised Roman taxation. In fact, the the word tax collector in the Hebrew literally meant oppression and injustice. They just saw it as oppressive. Now, especially if you were a Jewish person working for that corrupt system, then the Jewish community despised you all the more. So what I need you to understand is that Levi is uh, shunned and ignored from the entire Jewish community. Uh, He was not allowed in their synagogues. In other words, uh, Levi wouldn't have been welcome at church. They would have seen him come in. They would have been like, what are you doing here? You are an oppressive tax collector. And so I'm sure that he had gotten used to working in the tax collector's booth and just feeling people uh, just ignore him or maybe uh, be extremely rude towards him. And yet here you have Jesus walk along and Jesus actually stops at the tax collector's booth and he looks him right in the eyeballs. This is maybe the first time that's happened in a long time. And, and, and I love what Jesus does here. Jesus doesn't say, hey, well, hey, let's get together. I'd like to find out a little bit about who you are. Let, let, uh, talk to me, share your heart with me. Jesus just looks at him and says, hey, Levi, follow me. Like, I want you to be my disciple. Levi hadn't done anything to prove himself. Levi hadn't expressed any remorse at this moment. Jesus just goes right into his life and says, I I want you to be my disciple. What is maybe even more surprising than what Jesus says to Levi is what Levi says to Jesus. Look at this. It says, Levi got up, he left everything, 
and he followed him. Like no questions asked. Like this isn't just like follow him for a day. This isn't like, hey, let me just kind of pack things up at the tax collector's booth for today and then I'll come back to it tomorrow. No, this is the equivalent of him leaving his job. He just walked away from this very lucrative career. Now, this isn't the first time that we've seen this. In fact, several weeks ago, if you've been joining us in this study of Luke, uh, Jesus calls a few fishermen to do the same thing. And they leave their fishing nets and they follow after Jesus. I would contend that uh, what Levi just did here was way more costly. Uh, For starters, um, the fishermen likely, it was a family business. So it was like a small family affair. And they would have left it to some other family members. And if they wanted, they could have gone back to it. In fact, many of them did. They were bivocational. What Levi does here is he actually burns some bridges. He, He walks away from the tax collector's booth. There's no going back. There's no way that they're going to let him come back to this position uh, because they would have seen it as uh, sort of breaking trust. But not only that, as soon as he vacates the tax collector's booth, there would have been a whole bunch of other young leaders in the organization ready and willing to take his place. So Levi does something pretty dramatic. So what's Jesus doing here? Well, Jesus is closing the gap for Levi. He's like, hey, hey, when he says, hey, follow me and be my disciple, what Jesus is saying is, hey, Levi, there's a gap between the life that you could live and the life you're actually living. Let me close the gap. Levi, uh, there's some hope and some joy and some fulfillment that you could have, and and I want to close the gap for you. And it dramatically changed Levi's life. And what I want you to see is that the very first thing that Levi does is he wants to get his friends to Jesus as well. Look at it, verse 29. It says later, Levi held a banquet, which is just a nice word for party, all right? The original language, this is a party, all right? In his home with Jesus as the guest of honor and many of Levi's fellow tax collectors, so these other corrupt, oppressive colleagues, and I love this, other guests. (laughs) That's a category for all kinds of riffraff, all kinds of colorful people. They also ate with them. Now, what I want you to see in that is that of all the things that Levi could have done as a brand new follower of Jesus, that's what he chooses to do. Like Levi could have been like, well, you know, I guess I'm spiritual now, so I probably need to uh, start listening to K-Love and I need to get some spiritual friends, right? There's nothing wrong with Caleb, all right? Maybe he's like, hey, I need to, you know, put a Jesus fish on the back of my camel. I... uh, Maybe I, maybe I, you know, I shouldn't have a party because I could get a little bit out of hand. They might get the wrong idea. So maybe let's just have some people over and we'll have some finger foods and have some fellowship. You know, he, he could have said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of embarrassed. I don't really know uh, how my unchurched friends are going to really kind of think about this. And so let me just kind of keep the Jesus thing on the down low for, for a little while. I'll just let my actions be my witness. No, instead, Matthew throws a party. And this is a party for his uh, uh, former colleagues and drinking buddies. This is a party for the, the, the party girls and even the, the guys who are probably going to end up going over in the corner and smoking pot later in the evening. He says, I just want you to come over to my house because I want you to get in close proximity to Jesus. Why? Because there's no way they're going to the synagogue. There's no way they would be welcomed there. There's no way that they would feel welcome there. And so he goes, okay, what do I do? What do I do? Well, let me get them over to my house. Because I want them to experience the love and the grace of Jesus. Can I just ask you this question? Does that sound very spiritual to you? It's actually the most spiritual thing that you could do. 
Because whenever you've had the gap closed in your life, the automatic response to grace is like the air that you breathe. You should very naturally want to close the gap for others. Did Levi have all the answers? No way. Did, did Levi had it all figured out just yet? Absolutely not. Did he know who did? You bet. And he's like, I just want to get my friends in close proximity to Jesus. You know, um, one of the things that I've been really challenged to do, I'm not ready for the next slide yet. One of the things that I've been uh, wanting to uh, uh, do right now is that we, we've, like for the last six months, like it's, it's, been, it's been so challenging and difficult. And I, I've gotten to this place where I'm just like, you know what, I'm tired of being in the doom loop. Anybody tired of being in the doom loop? Anybody tired of being anxious and worried? And, and you know what? I fully believe that God is in control. And every time I go to the doom loop, I think that God takes offense. Like he's like, hey man, I've got it. Like I'm in control. And one of the things I've begun to do is just mentally in my mind, and now I'm even trying to put it down on paper, is just to try to list all the ways that I see God at work in this season. And I would encourage you to do the same. What is it that God is doing? I believe he's at work. I believe he's got a full plan for all this. He's not caught off guard by any of it. And I believe that one of the things that God is doing is he is allowing the message of Jesus, if we'll allow him to work through us, to get to more people through this time. You see, prior to the pandemic, uh, well, I don't know, we would have roughly 10,000 people show up at, at uh, our physical campuses. We would have maybe another two or 3,000 people join us online. But, but during this time, I don't know, we have something around 16, 17,000 people joining us consistently every weekend. Like, like as far as like overall people that are engaging with us, it's more, not less. And I, I believe that God is, is doing something. He's saying, hey, listen, if they won't come to us, we'll go to them. Hey, they're stuck at home. They can't get into a physical gathering. But, but hey, that doesn't mean that we can't go. That doesn't mean that we can't help close the gap for others. See, this is what Levi was doing. Levi was closing the gap between his friends and Jesus. And this should be the norm. I got to tell you. When I get to heaven, there's a, a small list of people I'm making a beeline to that I want to sit down with and hang out with and talk to. And my great-grandfather, Harry Bailey, is one of them. But you know who else is on that list? The friends that invited him to church. The friends that didn't give up on my great-grandfather. The friends that didn't write him off. And I want to thank them because of their boldness to help close the gap. It changed the trajectory of my family tree. It changed my life. But there were some people that weren't happy about it. There always are. Look at what it says in verse 30. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly. <laughs> Is there any other way? To Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? And that is maybe one of the saddest questions in the Bible. And I love Jesus' response because it is perfect. Jesus answered them, well, healthy people, they, they don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Translation, I, I've come to call people who are ready to get real. Not, not people who are faking it. Not people who kind of put on a, a fake aid, but people who take off the mask and say, this is me. And, and, I, and Jesus goes, man, anytime somebody gets real, they will never be turned away by me. They, they will never experience shame and judgment by me. I love that analogy that Jesus gives. I think that it's brilliant because what he does here, it's the perfect balance of grace and truth. The Pharisees, as they often did, this is a trap. 
And Jesus could have like been really hard on them and be like, man, you're right. You know, what, are, what am I doing hanging out with them? And that would have crushed their spirits and they would have walked away. Or he could have been like, hey, they're not that bad. And then all of a sudden he's overlooking their sin. Jesus perfectly combines grace and truth. And he doesn't excuse or deny or minimize their sin. He acknowledges it. He goes, yeah, they're sinning. Like right now, like right in front of me. Like they are sinners. The question is, is what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to create holy huddles? Are we just going to create an environment where Christians feel welcome? Are we going to create churches just for Christians? Or are we going to, out of a response to the grace that's been given to us, close the gap and help people come to see the grace that we've received? And the analogy that he gives us is so vivid in our minds. He goes, he goes, yeah, they're totally sick, but I'm a doctor. And that's what doctors do. I love that. Just think, think about this. Let's just say that um, you're not feeling very well. And somebody says, well, you ought to call this doctor's office because she is a brilliant doctor. She knows so much. She knows so much about medicine and she, she's going to get you better. And so you're like, all right, I'm on it. So you, you call the doctor's office. You try to set up an appointment and they get all your details. And then the very last question, they say, well, well are you healthy right now or are you sick? And you're like, well, I'm sick. And they're like, well, I'm sorry, we can't see you because we only see healthy people. Now, I don't care how much that doctor knows. She ain't a good doctor. Because good doctors hang out with sick people. It's like part of what they do. And Jesus says, I'm a doctor and I'm gonna hang out with sick people. And when self-righteousness gets in the way of sick people getting to a doctor, Jesus has very little patience. In fact, Jesus had all kinds of patience with people and their baggage and their junk in their life. The one thing that he didn't have patience for was self-righteousness. And he still doesn't today. For two reasons. Number one, we live in a world where people are desperately looking for hope. Would you not agree with that? It's everywhere. People are looking for hope, especially nowadays. And number two, when we as Christ followers mess this up, it messes people up. Sometimes for a long time, perhaps even for eternity. And the message of the church is hope. And in a world shrouded in darkness and constantly knocking you down, the message of Jesus is, hey, listen, you can get back up. This time, try it by my grace. So here's the question that I really want you to wrestle to the ground. And this is for those of you who are following Jesus right now. I want you to wrestle this uncomfortable question to the ground. Who am I closing the gap for? And I don't want you to go, well, that's an interesting question, and then move on. I want you to camp on that for a little while. And I want you to give some thought. I want you to talk to God about this. I want you to talk about this around your dinner table or with your group. And maybe a, a good way to think about this is maybe, maybe who are the people in my life that would be the most difficult for me to close the gap for? Maybe that's the question. And perhaps that's who Jesus is calling you to love. See, maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's somebody who has different political convictions than you do, or maybe they see social issues a little bit differently than you. And that's who God is calling you to help close the gap for because getting them to Jesus is the priority, not being right. Maybe for you, it's a, it's a name. You just need to list a name. You just need to write it down on a piece of paper or put it into your, into your phone. Well, well, how do I close the gap? Well, I don't know. Let's go back to what Levi did. What did Levi do? <laughs> Levi threw a party. Can you do that? 
Man, I think I can do that. Levi's like, man, I'm just going to throw a party. Why, why do you throw parties? Well, so that uh, people can come and not feel isolated anymore. Pe- people can come and let their guard down. People can come and get real. People can come and feel included and accepted. And, and Levi's like, I don't really know how to engage in conversation with them about how God has changed my life, but let me just get them shoulder to shoulder with the man who changed mine. And Jesus says that his spirit lives within you now. And so people need to see Jesus in you. They don't just need to hear about it at a distance. So how do we close the gap? Let me just give you a couple of suggestions. Here's the first one is that we need to close the gap right now with understanding and empathy. And we, would you not agree, uh, these things are uh, in really short supply right now in our world today. This whole idea of just, um, can I say it this way? Maybe you've heard it phrased this way before, seeking to understand before being understood. The most natural human response that all of us have is, well, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. And what that does is it creates a gap. It creates distance. But if we could just sort of listen more and talk less, we could, we could empathize with where somebody is at. Because oftentimes the issue, like really isn't the issue. Like there's some grief going on. There's some there's some pain, there's some loneliness, there's some lament. And oftentimes it's amazing how people will lower their defenses after they've been heard. I love how author and speaker Brene Brown puts this, and I don't advocate everything that she says and writes, but I do love this analogy where she talks about the pit. Have any of you seen this? Like somebody, like whenever they fall into an emotional pit and they're, they're just grieving over something or they're, they're uh, struggling with something and you come along and you see them in, in the pit, figuratively speaking. And, and what we have a tendency to do is we kind of pop our head down into the pit and be like, hey, what are you doing down there? So I'm having a hard time. I'm really going through this. Like this is, I lost my job or we can't get pregnant or, or I'm just so, I'm just feeling so depressed right now. And you're like, man, I'm really sorry about that. Well, it could be worse. You know, well, at least you still have, you know, your, your house. And we're trying to make them feel better. It's coming from a good place. She said that's the equivalent of like handing them a sandwich. You're just like, here, you want a sandwich? Eat that PB&J. Maybe you'll feel better. And I don't know about you, there's been a whole lot of years in my 21 years of marriage where I was getting my, my, I've given my wife so many sandwiches, all right? She is sick of sandwiches. And, and she just says, what you need to do is just crawl down into the pit, sit next to him and go, yeah, this stinks. This is hard. I, I don't know, I don't know exactly know what to say to you right now, but I'm really glad you just told me what you told me. It's empathy. As Christ followers, one of the ways we close the gap is to empathize with those and what they're going through. You see, when others don't think that we care, when we fail to identify with what they're going through, automatically they feel shamed and belittled and judged and dismissed, and it always widens the gap. Listen, followers of Jesus should be the model for how to do this well, even with people we don't agree with. Here's the next application. Close the gap by not being so easily offended. Would you not agree that right now we are perhaps more offended than ever? And I think the reason why is because we are experiencing right now a global pandemic, which then uh, triggered or caused a national lockdown, which triggered an economic meltdown. While your kids got sent home e-learning, as you tried to work from home, followed by social unrest and riots in the middle of an election year 
while your, all your vacation plans got canceled, so you are stuck at home and you spent way too much time reading all the crazy posts on social media. <laughs> That's why we're so offended. We, we, uh, c- could I just say that um, our uh, shock absorbers are shot. So we're under so much pressure and so much anxiety, it just takes the slightest little thing and it just triggers us and we get offended and we lose it with others. And when that happens, it ruins our witness and it widens the gap, especially in our social media profile. It says that we're a follower of Jesus. You see, what happens when you get offended? Here's what happens. You get angry and then uh, you jump to conclusions and then you think the worst of someone else's intentions. That's the equation. And we just develop this like narrative in our mind where we want to be right more than we want to connect with others. And we end up missing each other. And this pops up in such, in such easy ways. Can I just say we've got to keep an eye on this, especially right now in the season that we are in. We don't mean to widen the gap, but we do. I'll just give you an example from my life on uh, on Tuesday, I was working on this message on being gracious towards others. I leave the office at about five o'clock and on my way home, I pop into Meyer to catch a few things. And uh, I don't know if like, you know, like Meyer has like uh, the baskets that you could carry if you're only getting a couple things. And then they have like the big carts if you're like doing full on grocery shopping or they've got the medium sized carts if you just need a few things. I got the medium sized cart and I'm wheeling my way through. I get a few things, go up to the self-checkout, walk up uh, and pull the stuff out. It's only three bags worth of things, pull it up and I didn't see a receipt come out. Like I'm used to seeing it come out here. It actually came down on my knees. I didn't see it. So I was like, I don't know, maybe it didn't work. So I grabbed the bags. I turned to walk away. The lady working the self-checkout, she's standing right there and she looks at me and she says, sir, do you need your receipt? And I turned around and she was pointing at it. I saw it had come down here. I was like, oh, didn't see it. Yes, I do. Thank you. So I go to get it and I had totally forgotten about my cart. And she said, with a tone, I might add, (laughs) and is that your cart? It's all in the way she said cart, all right? And, 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 uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, actually it is. And so I go to get the receipt and she goes, do you want to take your cart? And there it was again. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. But I was just like, well, all right. I mean, I was wearing a mask. So, I mean, that helps. And so I grabbed the, the cart and I, I'm like walking away. And, and uh, you know, I put, and it just set me off. Like it just, it offended me. I'm like walking out to the truck, like rehearsing it. Like, man, what's her problem? I mean, she just kind of threw all kinds of shame at me and ju- like she's judging me like that I'm the cart lever guy. And I'm like walking out and I'm like, you know what, if I was her boss, like, like I would tell her, hey, the customer is always right. Or how about you use that opportunity to serve someone and say, hey, I got it. You, you have a great day. And I'm like going through all this, this like stuff in my head. I'm going to go back in there. I'm going to file a complaint. And, and I wasn't really, I, but it just made me feel better. And I, and I get into the truck and I'm sitting there and just in the silence, the Holy Spirit tapped on my shoulder. He was like, Brockett, what's your problem? It's a cart. And you should have taken it away. And then he just began to say, you have no idea who she is. You, you have no idea what she's going through today. Like, like you didn't tell her off, way to go. But you didn't really encourage her any. Like you have no idea what she's facing at home. You, you have no idea maybe the anxiety or the pressure that she is feeling. 
And I realized right then and there, I was like, why did I get so easily offended over something that I actually could have turned into an opportunity to show her some genuine love, which she's probably not necessarily used to seeing in the checkout line at Meyer. I don't know. To help close the gap. And I was so thankful that I was wearing a mask so that way she wouldn't recognize me. All right. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 19, 11 says this. We're going to talk about this here in a couple weeks. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Some of us need to uh, print that verse out and set it above our computer screen or tape it to our phone every time we read a social media post that we don't like or agree with, and to recognize that good sense makes me slow to anger, and it is to my glory to overlook an offense and let God do what only he can. And here in, in a couple of weeks, as we regather on September the 20th, I'm going to take a break, a three-week break from the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to jump into a message series largely based around that verse, and we're going to walk through this together. So can I just ask you today, are you easily offended? Are you quick to anger? Are you blasting people in the comments on social media? And if you are, are you convincing anyone? And let me just answer it, No. You're not, and you're possibly widening the gap between others and Jesus. Here's the third thing. Close the gap by being gracious and loving. I had a mentor tell me when I was in college, he said, Aaron, never ever forget this. We are saved by grace. That ought to make us gracious. And when we are not gracious, we have to ask ourselves, what did we really experience on the day of our conversion? Because if it's grace, then that should be the automatic response. In Colossians chapter four, verses five through six, it says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response. Say the word with me. For everyone, everyone, not just the people that agree with you. Not just the people that see things the way that you see it or see the world the way that you see it. He says, may you be gracious so that, so that your response can be attractive to everyone you interact with. Why would he say that? So that you can close the gap. I, I love this, this uh, cartoon. It made me uh, chuckle this last week when I saw it. This is a guy at, at Heaven's Gates getting checked in. I don't think it's going to go down like that, by the way. But he says, you were a believer, yes, but you skipped the not being a jerk about it part. And I just say, yeah, I've been a jerk about it at times. And maybe you have too. And this is an opportunity for us to change course. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of an election year, to recognize that Jesus has called us to close the gap because the gap was closed for us because of his grace. Come on, man, let's, let's, just, get, let's just get real. There is a gap right now between every single one of us and God. You walk through Ephesians 2 and it just explains it so concisely. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though you were dead because of your sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Man, we can put our hands together for that. So Jesus closes the gap by his grace and repentance is what triggers that grace. 
And repentance is this beautiful invitation for us to come to God as we are, to, to, to take off the mask, so to speak, and to just come to him and say, God, this is, this is me. And what repentance is, is I'm not going to deny where I've gone wrong. I'm not going to make excuses for it. I, I'm going to actually own it. And I'm going to let God, can, can I use this analogy? A few weeks ago, I, I used the analogy of taking off all the baggage and, and just coming to God, take a load off and follow after Jesus. Can I give you another analogy? It's this idea of like just tilling up the soil of your heart so that God can do a new work. When uh, Lindsay and I first got married, we, we uh, moved into a eight, hundred to a thousand square foot house that we rented and the previous tenants had really neglected the house and so it needed a lot of work before we could move in. I remember walking in it was absolutely filthy and we had to rip up the carpet and I rented a power washer and power wash the 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 cabinets of the kitchen and the yard was in just as bad a shape and grass wasn't growing I mean it was just patched it was just uh, stretches of dirt like it was just dry and hard that soil was was in really, really bad shape. And I, it was so bad that I couldn't just throw grass seed on it. I had to rent a tiller. And I had to till up that whole yard. And the stuff that was embedded in the soil, like not on the surface, but down deep, it was amazing what I was bringing up to the surface. And as I tilled up that soil, I, I tilled up chicken wire. I tilled up uh, tin cans and empty two liter bottles of Pepsi. I even, I'm not even exaggerating this. I tilled up a Leonard Skinner t-shirt, all right? That should tell you about the people that lived there before, all right? And uh, I tilled all that stuff up and then, then I put seed down. Then I put fertilizer down. Then I smoothed it out. And within a couple of years, we finally had grass. Listen, before you can get to this place where God can do a transformational work in your life, you gotta let him till up the soil of your heart. That's what repentance is. That's where you just come to him and just say, God, I'm, I'm not gonna fake it anymore. There's some junk that's not on the surface. It's embedded deep down. And by your spirit, I need you to, to till that stuff up. And through Jesus, God accepts you. He says, oh man, I love you. I'm, I'm so thankful that you finally would admit that. I love you and I accept you right where you are. And, and even more than that, I love you too much to leave you right where you are. Come on, let, let's, let's, let's do this hard heart work to till some stuff up. And repentance is not just what you did on the day of your conversion. It's what you get invited to on a daily basis. When I got into the truck on Tuesday in the Meyer parking lot and I sat there for a minute, I had to repent. I just said, God, there's some junk in my heart. I didn't even know how it got in there. I need you to, toil, to, to till that stuff up. And so today I wanna invite you to repent. Whether you are following Jesus or whether you are not, because we all need it. Right now we need to let the spirit of God close the gap because maybe we've drifted this past week. Maybe we've drifted into anger. Maybe we've drifted into apathy. Maybe we've drifted into despair. And today, I just wanna to look right into the camera today. And if you are feeling a little like Levi and you're at your tax collector's booth, whatever that looks like, and, and you felt shamed and judged and you've wondered if you'd ever be accepted. Maybe you identify with my great-grandfather, Harry Bailey, and you've done some things that you're like, I don't know if I'll ever recover from it. I want you to know that you are loved. 
I want you to know that there's a God who has a life that he has already preordained for you to live. And today he is compassionately saying, hey, come home. And so what I wanna ask you to do is whether you're in the room or you're online, maybe you're in your car, maybe you're in your living room, maybe you're in your backyard, would you just maybe close your eyes and maybe you haven't prayed in a really long time. Can I just pray for you? And you can just accept this prayer as your own. Just agree with this prayer. Lord God, I haven't prayed in a long time. And if it really is true that you closed the gap, would you close it for me today? God, I I desperately want that kind of grace. I want that kind of love and acceptance because I've tried everything else. And maybe it feels good for a little bit, but it doesn't last. And God, right now I'm angry and I'm offended and I'm irritated and I'm scared and I need what only you can give. And so if this is real, God, I, I want it. So God, please till up the soil of my heart. I'm tired of faking it. So I just confess my sins. I admit to you who I am. This is authentically me and there's some parts of it that are pretty ugly. But if you would save me by your grace, I want that. And I believe that Jesus is the son of God and that you are my savior. And I want you to be Lord over every area of my life. So would you please come in and do a renewing work within me? I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Can I just say that if you prayed that prayer, even with just the weakest amount of faith, and God heard that prayer, and we just, we love you and we celebrate you. We just wanna celebrate you right now. Here's what I wanna ask you to do. If you would, would you just, if you prayed that prayer, would you text Jesus to 87221? Just pull out your phone right now, text Jesus to 87221. We wanna follow up with you just to celebrate you, to pray with you, and to help guide you through your next steps and your spiritual journey. Oh man, if there's anything about a God that closes the gap in our lives, the response is to sing. The response is to worship. The response is to be joyful. So in the room and wherever you're watching, would you stand to your feet? And out of that kind of response, let's sing to God.